Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode 7 of Soup Dreams. Happy Good Friday to y'all. It's Good Friday today. Uh, I hope you're going to Mass because it is a holy day of obligation. And uh, I hope you're also going on Sunday because it is another holy day of obligation. But technically, every Sunday is a day of obligation. Uh, so Easter uh, is not special in that regard. And if you are um, the kind of person that loves to follow rules and doesn't really care about the spirit behind them, there's actually a loophole during Lent where you can consume or not do uh, whatever you have forbidden yourself from doing or not doing uh, during Lent on Sundays because they're technically not part of Lent on the uh, encyclical calendar. So this is a little bit of a fun uh, fun Easter talk up top. Uh, we have a, a Easter-appropriate soup this week. I made a uh, silky ginger zucchini soup. Um, and this recipe comes from a blog that used to be called Clothes Make the Girl, but is now called uh, Melissa Julwan's Well-Fed. And uh, this is like a, a very uh, healthy springtime soup. Uh, the ingredients are coconut oil, half of a medium onion, four large cloves of garlic, one teaspoon of salt, uh, three to four, three-fourths to one teaspoon of powdered ginger, a half teaspoon of ground black pepper, medium zucchini, chopped up, and four cups of high-quality chicken broth. And, uh, you know, as usual, I didn't do the full recipe because I'm not making a ton of it. I actually, uh, the first tried this recipe a while back, last I guess it was two years ago, I did the Whole30 diet, and it worked really well. I lost like 15 or 20 pounds. Um, it was hard because you can't have uh, any grains, and you can't have most nuts. Um, you can mostly just eat, like, proteins and... Uh, Guys, hold on, I'm going to be quiet for a second. So hopefully I can edit out the sound of the person cutting tile that has been doing it outside of my window for the past week and slowly driving me insane. Um, but I uh, did the whole 30 diet, lost a lot of, lot of weight. I was sad because I couldn't drink beer. But, you know, losing weight is good. Uh, and I actually, uh, I just got engaged. So I have to get back on kind of the losing weight train. I don't know if I'll do the whole whole 30 uh, I've been running recently. I did the 100-mile march where I ran 100 miles and is now April 14th, and I've run zero miles in April. But, you know, as they say on, uh, like, posters anthropology, progress, not perfection. And getting engaged is, is weird. Um, you know, there's a lot of buildup, and uh, you think things are going to be radically different. But the main thing that changes is kind of the awareness of how inadequate that you are. And not only for yourself, but for your partner as well. You know, my girlfriend or my fiance now has been kind of, uh, you know, getting ready for the wedding, all the all the attendance stuff you have to do, save the dates, take pictures, and all that. And so she has to like look at me, and I don't think she's custom to like actually seeing my my face. You know, I have bad skin. Um, I have kind of like a Neanderthalic brow ridge, and I have very deep set eyes. And so like I essentially look like a skull. Which is not a great look. It's not uh, gonna, you know, get me cast as a lead actor or anything. I guess I could be like a character actor, or like if a museum is doing, um, like a piece on the missing link, I could fill in. But that's that's been a challenge to kind of have my my fiance be faced with the reality that this is the face she has to look at for the rest of her life, and it has caused a little bit of tension. Not a ton, 
But, you know, you can just, I can just kind of tell that, like, when we get engaged in pictures, she's going to look at them and be sad, you know, that she has to look at this forever. But, you know, at the very least, I can lose weight, and uh, this, this soup will help me. And it's vegetarian, so it's also Good Friday safe. Oh, uh, uh, there's chicken stock in it, but I don't, you know. Again, we have to consult a priest on if I'm allowed to eat soup made with chicken stock. Uh, I think since most ingredients are vegetables, and I'm not gonna, I'm not anticipating, you know, like really enjoying this. It still uh, falls under the category of of uh, fasting and abstinence. It's basically gruel, and you know the kind of the uh, some more Easter facts or Lent facts for you. Uh, the kind of the fasting and abstinence thing has been uh, warped. Not warped, but kind of like the popular interpretation of it is that you don't eat meat and you can get, kind of get around this by eating fish, which seems, you know, kind of, again, you're following the letter of the law, but fish is pretty good. And I would, you know, on most days choose to eat fish. But the actual thing, you know, the actual kind of a benchmark or, or barometer for like if something is lunch inappropriate is if it's the food of the poor. And so uh, they, uh, they asked a cardinal in Louisiana if you could eat alligator on uh, on fridays during lent and you can because it's the food of the poor and so i think my like four dollar soup that i made out of mostly vegetables and some chicken stock that i had left over definitely qualifies as food of the poor you know if not i can only uh, throw myself uh on the mercy of the pope so if anyone knows the pope please uh you don't have to send him this whole podcast because uh you know he's a busy guy but just send him that 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 segment and see uh if he's willing to you know, grant me a little clemency for eating this soup. All right, so here's how you make it. And it's actually, it's really easy to make. And it, it is good. I said earlier that I don't think I'll enjoy it, but I probably will enjoy it. It is good. Um, so I used the uh, the yellow Dutch oven, commonly known as the popcorn pot, to make this one. And uh, you heat some coconut oil in the pan. Or it says pan, but I used the pot. I used the Dutch oven, technically. Heat some up coconut oil in the Dutch oven. And uh, you add some chopped onions. And you don't have to chop anything like really fine because you're going to hit this with a blender at the end. So just chop up some onions roughly, throw them in there, smash your garlic cloves with a, a glass bottom. Like you can, you can use the bottom of a glass or you can use a knife, whichever you prefer. Throw them in there, uh, add some salt and pepper and just stir them up. And, you know, get them soft, get them a little golden. And then uh, once you've got those guys kind of cooked and those aromatics are, are popping out, go ahead and toss in the ginger. And she uses powdered ginger. I used fresh ginger. Uh, just because I like to use fresh ingredients, and fresh ginger is way cheaper than powdered ginger. So I put that in there, and then you add the zucchinis in, and you're going to want to mix them up a little bit, use your tongs, <clears throat> and get uh, the coconut oil over them so they get fat on them. And just kind of turn the heat a little bit, let those cook for, you know, five minutes. Uh, and then they'll get soft, all the other vegetables will brown. And then uh, just add uh, some chicken broth, and uh, let it sit, let it boil. Um... I had some leftover broth from some other soup I made, and uh, I also had this thing called Better Than Bouillon, which is like, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's just like chicken gunk, and you add it to boiling water to create a broth. And so I only had a little bit of uh, chicken broth leftover, so I added some water, and then added that Better Than Bouillon stuff. And uh, I think it, I assume it's fine. I haven't tasted it yet. We'll find out. Uh, then you let that cook for like 45 minutes to an hour, and... Uh, and then the either hard or difficult part is the last step because you want to puree this. And historically, I use the immersion blender for this. And I love immersion blenders. It's probably my third favorite kitchen gadget behind the Instant Pot and uh, and tongs. 
and a knife. So I guess four. One with a bullet, uh, tongs, two with a bullet, instant pot, three with a bullet, scissors, four with a bullet, um, immersion blender. But my immersion blender is in storage. Half of it is anyway. I have the blade, but it's very useless without uh, the motor. So I used a regular blender. And uh, be careful when you do that because um, you're putting a hot liquid in the glass blender. And when you blend it up, it's going to shoot a bunch of steam out. So I would suggest uh, very, very gently blending for a little while until that and let, let that steam escape. And then, uh, then you can put the lid on and rev it up and get it to a nice puree. After that, you can put like dill or chives or whatever on there. Um, I'm not going to put anything on there because I don't have any. But uh, the nice thing about this soup is you can eat it uh, cold, you can eat it hot. And as a special treat, I'm actually going to make try a, a hot version and a cold version of this on the podcast. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting for all of us uh, to see how I react to these different temperatured soups. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about uh, the silky ginger soup. It has a weird name. I don't like the awkward, clumsy name. But, you know, I didn't make the recipe. If I had, it might have just been called Kyle's Soup. Or Kyle's zucchini soup, but you know that's kind of that's how uh, intellectual property laws work, right? Um, other people can't just rip you off. And you know we could talk about the validity of that. I think you know in a lot of ways, intellectual property is a means of the capitalist uh, system for manipulating us and keeping people down. Like to use kind of it's 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 kind of a, a uh, like a less concrete example of the way that we partition out access to things, right? So let's say that I copyright the name Kyle's Soup, but I don't do anything with it. You can't use the name Kyle's Soup, even if you're doing something with it. And that's dumb, because, you know, we're just, like, wasting this great name, the name Kyle's Soup, and it's just, like, sitting uh, in my intellectual property portfolio doing nothing and accomplishing nothing, rather than, you know, uh, another Kyle could have a great soup that everyone should be eating. And, you know, you see this, like, kind of the... the uh, the more like down to earth, uh, immediate level, the way kind of we partition out access to access to anything, like uh, you know the department store at the mall closes at nine p.m. and there's just this nice uh, warm place, uh, but you know the homeless guy is sleeping out in front of it because he can't come in uh, for reasons that are, you know, not always uh, clear. You know, uh, I think uh, society we learned from this from the United Airlines plane man, right? Like uh, the state serves to protect business interests. And that's why uh, Soup Dreams is free. Uh, I will never use the state monopolization on violence to force you to listen to or not listen to Soup Dreams. Uh, it's open for all. And much like the uh, broth and liquid concoction that it's named after, it's going to spread like wildfire. Um, it's going to spread like soup uh, that you spill on a table, and it's for all to enjoy. Uh, so here is the sound collage, and then after that, you know, we're going to have this uh, special double tasting. Soup.
soup dreams. Another great sound collage. And uh, as I said earlier, I do not believe in uh, IP law and cannot be prosecuted. So I've got two bowls in front of me. Uh, we're gonna go evaluate them on our standard uh, evaluation chart. So look, and we got two, two different things to look at. Um, look, the cold soup looks a lot better. It looks creamier, uh, more pleasant, more appealing. The kind of reheated soup is a darker color, and there's like weird little blobs in it that I think are bubbles from uh, when it was heated. And it just doesn't look uh, as appealing. It's darker, you know, closer to the, the, that fecal spectrum that we talk about. The cool one's just like a nice pretty green color. Uh, it looks very appetizing. There's little pepper flakes in it. Uh, Smell-wise, they both smell really good. Smell gingery. Ginger's such a great smell. It smells like uh, kind of the inside of like a Thai restaurant, which I guess is just the ginger because it's not like fish sauce or anything in these that I'm aware of. Unless someone snuck it in. Feel? We'll get to that. We'll get to that mouthfeel. Uh, sound? Um, you know, pleasant. The texture is really cool. It's like a nice, pretty puree. Uh, so I'm going to try this cold one first. Let's see what we got here. That is so good. 
I don't know how, but that tastes really, really, really good. It's just like rich. There's like a new mommy flavor to it. The texture's really great. It's a little ginger kick. You can taste that pepper, taste that garlic. But man, that is really good. That's a really good soup. Um, it's gonna sound weird, but the thing that it tastes most like is crawfish. It tastes like crawfish. I don't know why. There's no fish in it, but it has kind of the flavor and like bite of like a crawfish boil. That's really awesome. All right, let's try this heated up one. That's a great soup, though. All right, I got the hot one. See, texture-wise, I think I'm just looking at it. It's the uh, I think when I heated it, it kind of separated a little bit more than the cold one did, but. It tastes different. It tastes butterier, and there's no butter either. But there's definitely like less ginger bite in this one, and more kind of like a buttery. They're both really good. I wonder how this would taste if you added like some sesame oil, or even like a tiny bit of like fish or oyster sauce to it. Because it has like a great umami flavor. Like you can just kind of. It just spreads over your tongue and just like lights up all your taste buds like in different ways. It's a really good soup. I think I prefer the cold one, but the hot one's good too. It is different though. That one tastes it, the, the hot one tastes more like vegetable like, and the other one just tastes kind of I don't know, just like uh, like you're eating a bowl of crawfish fat, which is kind of heavenly to me, but perhaps not uh, to everybody else. Really good soup. Highly recommend this soup uh, <coughs> to any members of the soup troop out there. Yummy. Yummy, yummy. Okay. Uh, you know, we'll have our final evaluation later, or our rankings, but uh, this is a dang good soup, and I am I'm very pleased. All right, and uh, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is, as always, soup news. So let's see what uh, what's going on soup-wise. Oh, here we go. Prevention Magazine. I went on a three-day soup cleanse, and here's what happened. All right, this article is really long. Uh, she starts it out by talking about how detoxes and cleanses seem like bullshit. I'm kind of inclined to agree with her. Uh, I don't think, you know... I think the human body's pretty tough and resilient, and uh, there's probably not, like, a bunch of uh, toxins or whatever floating around in you. With your your liver's probably messed up. But I'm not a doctor. I have a friend who's studying to be a doctor. Maybe I'll have him on the podcast and we could talk, uh, you know, soup health, soup nutrition. But uh, so this guy got a three-day soup cleanse. 
Looks like she's eating stuff you can eat hot or cold, like this soup that we just made. Uh, things that she learned. It felt good not to carbo load. You know, that's common knowledge. If you want to lose weight, don't eat carbs. It's super simple. She's actually full. Soup is filling. You know, uh, this soup I just made, probably not so much, but soup with the protein in it, soup with the starch especially is going to be filling. But again, you're going to carb load with that. She's surprised by the variety, so she's obviously not a listener of this podcast, or she would know that there's all kinds of soups you can eat. She was bloated and cranky. Uh, well, folks, uh, a, woman, a woman did write this. I'm just kidding. Uh, soup doesn't make me bloated normally, um, and it certainly doesn't make me cranky. It makes me happy enough to make a podcast about it. Her weight didn't change. This is odd. Uh... Well, she said she didn't cut her calorie intake drastically. I don't know how you eat soup and not cut your calorie intake because it's mostly water. I think that if most people eat a lot of soup, you're going to lose weight. You're going to not as many calories. You're going to be more hydrated, so you're going to go to the bathroom more. And uh, you're not going to be carrying around uh, a big pile of feces in your, in, your, in your intestine. So she did this wrong. This woman doesn't know how to eat soup. I'm sorry that I made y'all read this or listen to me read or listen to me skim it. Um... Yeah, you know, soup news, it's hard to find good ones sometimes, guys. Uh, be the soup news that you wish to see in the world. Also, I really, I recently got uh, a client at my at my job that does, um, like, labiaplasties, and now all of my uh, kind of... So when you see those weird ads that's like, these are what celebs look like now, uh, they're by a company called Outbrain, or Adderall, there's a couple different ones, and the way they work, right, is... An ad agency writes a blog for you that's like a catchy bullshit topic, and uh, they say, "Hey, Outbrain or Ad or uh, Adroll, serve these, serve this content to people that are interested in this thing." And uh, you know, it'll track your browsing history, it'll track uh, your search history, everything you do is being tracked. Um, but so I have a new client who does um, labiaplasties, and all of my content is about vaginas and like endometriosis, uh, pubic hair. It's all um, very, va- it's like uh, in the Bilbowski, it's all very vaginal. Uh, you know, that's kind of the, a burden I have to bear for being a, a good a good ad man is uh, getting served ads that I don't care about or want to click on. Yeah, so I hope you guys learned a little bit about uh, soup and uh, and advertising from this segment. We're going to move right along to uh, the next segment, which is One Star Reviews, new name coming soon. And I always forget what order these go in, and I actually have a document that I look at. Uh, this, again, we, you know, we we're venturing into uncharted waters as far as where we're getting our recipes from, so we're not getting any real negative reviews. But there are a lot of comments, so I'm going to search, like, bad... Nope. Hate. Most of it's like people that hate to use the blender, which is true. You gotta get that immersion blender. Here's like, uh, this comment says, I'm not much of a soup person, and I'm not a huge fan of green soup, but this was delicious. So I guess that was... She doesn't like ginger, but she's gonna eat it. Uh? You know what? This soup is perfect. There, it, There's a reason there's no negative reviews. It's because it's really good. Y'all should really try it. It takes less than 50 minutes to make. It's a terrific soup. It's the best soup. That was, uh... I've been working on my impressions. My Trump is not very good. Hillary, you're fired. 
See, it's not great. But my Reagan is excellent. <clears throat> I'm going to take my headphones out so I can hear my voice better. Hillary, well, I have to say this, but you're fired. That's pretty good, right? I could, that's like a Family Guy level Reagan. So if anyone knows uh, Seth MacFarlane, send him that clip. And if you know the Pope, uh, send him the clip from earlier. Uh, our next segment is a word salad. Emails have kind of dropped off, guys. Uh, remember to send an email to kgreg7 at gmail.com. All right, uh, this is from Nathan. Uh, his question is, hi, first time, long time. I'd like you to rank the different soups served by the eponymous soup Nazi in the episode of the TV show Seinfeld. And he sent a, a, a screen capture that I'm assuming is from Seinfeld. I never wa I don't watch Seinfeld. Uh, it's not a funny show. I don't like New York. You know, it's just not my thing. There's like 10 soups on here. Mulligatawny, I don't know what that is. That's at the bottom. Crab bisque, turkey chili, jambalaya, black bean. All right, uh, jambalaya, what number one? Clam bisque, two. Crab bisque, three. French onion, four. Chicken and broccoli, five. Turkey chili, six. Split pea, seven. Mushroom barley, eight. Tomato rice, nine. And then Mulligatani at 10. Those are my rankings for uh, the Soup Nazi. Or, or should I say uh, Soup Alt-Right. Uh, anyway, folks. You know, just a little humor. Uh, so yeah, that's my official official ranking. And now on to the real rankings, where uh, I rank the soups I've had. In our staple soups, our last ranking was Texas Chili over Beef Stew in our staple soups category. And then in our... Uh, Exotic soups and stews category. What have I made on here? Uh, hold on. I gotta look at the episode titles. We had, uh, soup dreams. Okay, yeah, we had, uh, we had borscht over Edrock soup over, uh, no, we had borscht, yeah, over Eggdrop or vegan chili over oyster. So, uh, I'm going to say this is a staple soup because I make it a lot. And it's going to be tied with Texas chili at the top. You know what? Actually, uh, we're going to make a staple soup vegetarian category. And it's going to be number one. So, congratulations to uh, Silky Ginger Zucchini Soup. You are number one in the uh, staple soups vegetable category. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I'll see you all next week. <laughs>